Welcome to this week's podcast by Celebration Church Rarotonga. We believe this message will empower and equip you to live a life of breakthrough. Thanks for joining us. If we can turn in our Bibles this morning to Acts chapter 1. You're doing good this morning? Doing good? That's good. You're hungry for Jesus? That's good. Acts chapter 1 verses, verses 1. This is, this is Luke that's writing. He, Luke, the guy who wrote the book of Luke, wrote the book of Acts. He was a physician. He was a, uh, a doctor. He wasn't actually a disciple. He wasn't one of the 12. Neither was Mark. And they actually say that um, Mark got a lot of the story and revelation from Peter. So they say, and it's just very action-orientated, the book of Mark. Um, it's just a bit of information to help us out. But um, I actually heard this, that um, they reckon the book of Acts is more like a, um, a legal account for because um, it ends abruptly at the end of Acts, and it's more of a legal account. The, this is just a theory, but um, in helping Paul um, in his trials that he was uh, for. So Luke wrote this, and this is him saying, In my first book I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach, until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from the time, from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. This is funny. Look, guys, I'm alive. Um, and, he, and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Verse 4, once he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. They are not for you to know. Verses 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And I, I just love it that we are in the ends of the earth. We are just like, where Jerusalem is to us, it's like the ends of the earth, which is cool. Um, and I, I want to share today from the Word of God about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, about the Holy Spirit. And um, as, you, as you'll know, this is a Christian church, and we believe in a Christian Bible, and we believe in the full Bible. We believe every word in this book, and we believe that we can experience every word in this book. And um, I, I love it. In Acts 10 verse 38, it says, and you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Acts verse 8, 7 to 8, it says this, Many evil spirits were cast out. This is talking when Philip actually went out, screaming as they left their victims. And many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. And so there was great joy in the city. And this is the key. We either believe in the full Bible or we don't. And we can't pick and choose the Word of God. But I know God is wanting to pour out His Spirit upon us with signs and wonders. He's wanting to heal us. He's wanting to deliver us. He's wanting to set us free. He's wanting to change us. And what we need to do as a church is we need to recognize the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We need to recognize the Holy Spirit is God. He's part of the, um, the Trinity. Um, we need to recognize His moving. We need to recognize that He wants to move on on us and uh, recognize what he's doing amongst us because 
God is here and God is doing a new thing amongst us. And like God is telling us, like what God has been doing in me, he's telling me what's unimportant and what's most important. Like with our youth and young adults, we could put together a pretty good plan to get this place packed out. Like we'll apply for government funding for depressed youth. We'll get all this money. We'll just sell free hot dogs every Friday. We'll talk about sex and relationships every week and the place will be packed. But what is that without the reality of Jesus Christ? It's just gonna, as soon as the hot dogs stop, you know, where <laughs> the people got to be. But we, if I, I say to the guys, we're not building backwards. We're, we're, we're putting the first things first. We're building on the Spirit of God. We are hungry for an outpouring of the Spirit of God. And it's been an awesome testimony what God has been doing the last few weeks in us, that we've been experiencing God. We're experiencing the power of Jesus Christ. And um, salvation just isn't like the plan of God isn't just for us to be saved and us to just stay at a point of salvation, but it's for us to progress and us to receive the power of the Holy Spirit in our life, to us to know the presence of God. These are some of the characteristics of the nature of the Holy Spirit. He hears us. He speaks to us. He listens to us. He cleans us out. He encourages us. He makes time for us. He teaches us. He picks us up when we're down. He heals us, he restores our emotions, he guides us, he comforts us, he gives us, win- he gives us wisdom, he loves us, he gives us the right words to say, he cures us, he understands us, he's interested in our daily lives, he loves what's hearing, what is happening to us in our thoughts, he loves it when we speak to him, he gives us revelation, he empowers us, he anoints us, he baptizes us into the body of Jesus Christ, that salvation. We are baptized into him. He joins us in the glorification of Jesus Christ. He makes life easy. He speaks the words of the Father. He is truth. He speaks truth. He loves us immensely, and he wants to be our best friend. And um, the Holy Spirit isn't just to give us power, but he's there to have friendship and fellowship with us, that we would know him best, and he would know us best, that we would know him deeply. He's there um, to lead us in. As much as... It was God's plan to send Jesus Christ, His Son, to the earth to be resurrected for our sin. It was God's plan to follow this with the Holy Spirit on Christ's ascension to live us and empower us to enable us to have a godly life. And um, as much as it's God's plan for us to be saved, it's God's plan for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to receive the power of God and be filled with Him. Uh, Yeah, which is awesome. Um, I've got a bit of scripture this morning, but it's the word is good. John 15, 26, verse, John 15, verse 26, it says this, but I will send you the advocate, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father and he will testify all about me. And you must test, also testify about me because you've been with me from the beginning of my ministry. I've told you these things so that you won't abandon your faith for you will be expelled from the synagogues, and the time is coming when those who kill you will think they're doing a holy service for God. That's interesting. This is because they've never known the Father or me. Yes, I'm telling you these things now, so when they happen, you will remember my warning. And didn't I tell you earlier because I was going to be with you f- for a while longer? Uh, chapter 16, verse 5, it says this, But now I'm going away to the one who sent me, and... Not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it is best that I go away because if I don't, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, won't come. If I do go away, then I'll send him to you. And when he comes, he'll convict the world of its sin 
and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. Um, Jump to verse 12. It says, There's so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you in all truth. He will not speak on His own, but He will tell you what He has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you what He receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. And this is what I said. The Spirit will tell you whatever He receives from me. And what we've got to understand that Jesus knew part of the plan of Jesus Christ coming to this earth was that He would ascend and that the Holy Spirit would come upon us and be... um, filled with us. And what, what is interesting is when Jesus walked this earth, there were many religious people, many non-religious people that resisted Jesus and didn't want anything to do with Jesus. And But now the Holy Spirit is here with us. There's many people, religious people, non-religious people that don't want the Holy Spirit and have rejected the Holy Spirit just as they rejected Jesus Christ. And man, well, I'm fighting and I want to fight to see an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Rarotonga in the ends of the earth. I'm wanting to see God moving. Uh, we've got to push out of, um, we've got to push out of the old. We've got to get rid of what's unimportant and focus on what is important. Um, I wrote this down. We've got to come out of dead works. Like we've got to get rid of the religious rubbish around our life, around um, that's going on. It's like uh, God. I, I feel that stuff makes. Try to be careful, but it's like I think that makes God sick. Like if we, if our life, um, put it this way, this might be a good way to explain. It. If you, your husband or wife, and if they're playing the field when they're supposed to be married to you, they're you know treating you like trash. They're arguing with you, and then they um. You know, they verbally abusive, they cheated on you, all that kind of stuff. You would think, whatever. And then they come to you and say, oh, I love you. It's like, well, you know what I mean? You can say that with your words, but your actions is far from it. Is, is that, sometimes is that us with God? And it's like sometimes, well, with, what, like we know in Rarotonga that um, there's been awesome moves of God. And there's been awesome stuff of God that's happening and that is happening in this land. But it becomes a dangerous, dangerous place and a dangerous, dangerous territory when we give lip service to God without the power of God. When we love God with our lips, but our actions are far, far from God, that our hearts are far, far from God. And we've really, um, we've got to, even in our own life, we just, oh yeah, that's out there. But no, no, what is our heart like? Is What is the condition of our heart? And we, we have quite an opportunity like, we can say, yeah, church and God is an awesome, awesome part of my life, a significant part of my life. And that can be an indication. Or we can we can be like, God, you're my whole life. Everything I am is for you. And we've we've got an we've got an opportunity to do that. And we've got an opportunity to surrender our whole life over to Jesus Christ. Where it's not just a little bit, it's not just the part, but it's all of who we are, and that's kind of what it is. It's like, it's not when we give our life to God, we give our life to God, and we no longer own our life, and we steward our life, and we steward our life for Him. If I, if I have my phone, and I say, "Oh, this is a pretty cool phone," um, I'm going to give my phone to Mum. This is now my mother's phone. It's no longer mine. It's your phone. I can't rock up in the middle of the night, sneaking into Mum's bedroom, getting that phone out trying to like play Angry Birds or whatever you do on your phone these days. Um, you know what I mean? It's, it's no longer my phone. It's her phone. Um, 
if I give that phone to Dave, it's Dave's phone. I no longer, if I give that to him, I can't be, oh, Dave, remember that phone I gave to you? And um, you, can I just play, play some Angry Birds? Or, no, 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 it's his phone. I no longer have control over it. I no longer have ownership over it. I, if he wants to spray paint it with a cool new color, if he wants to do anything, he can change the wallpaper. He can um, load it up with much credit. He can delete all the apps, delete all the old messages. It's his new phone. It's no longer my phone. Um, and that's what happens when we give our life to God. It is no longer our life anymore. It is 100% His. And that's really, the, at the end of the day, that is the cost, that is the price that God is really wanting us to pay. Because that's the cost and the price that He paid for us on that cross. And so we have an opportunity to, you know, give a part of our life to God, but own everything else. Or we can just say, every part of who I am, every part of my family, every part of my marriage, my children, my job, my vocation, my time, my energy, my resources, my money, I am giving ownership over that into the Lord's hands. I put that at the cross and is now I now steward that unto the Lord. And what God wants me to do with my money, I do with my money. What God wants me to do with my relationships, I do my relationships. That is the cost that um, God is wanting us to pay. And I recognize, and we all recognize, that's not a light cost. That's, that, is, that is something significant. Jesus says in the word to count the cost, that we would um, count the true cost of being his disciple. And, uh, but I, I believe that um, if we do that, the best years of our life will be ahead of us the blessing that will come out on our life. Because, I mean, if you figured it out, we, none of us are really that smart. Like, we all, make, we all do stupid stuff. We all do stupid mistakes and stuff. Why don't we give ownership and control over the smartest, most intelligent person alive? Why don't we give a, our ownership of our life to Jesus Christ who made us and created us? And let's follow him. And, um, yeah, we'll be good. So what happens is we get born again by God, and God comes inside of us. The Holy Spirit comes inside of us. And then um, in Acts, we read about the, the power of God, the baptism of the Holy Spirit coming. Um, it says in Luke 3.16, it says, but one, I bet John the Baptist is saying, I baptize in water, but someone who's coming is going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit and in power. And basically what this is, is where we are filled with the power of God and um, there's, there's manifestations of the Spirit of God. It talks about tongues and different gifts of the Holy Spirit that come. And we are bold, we are energized, and we are equipped with power to go out and do the works of the ministry, to go out and share our faith. You look at Peter, he was freaking out when um, at the fire. He disowned Jesus. The girl was, um, the, the servant girl said, hey, you're one of those guys with, um, with Jesus. And Peter's like, nuns, I'm not one of those guys. And um, never met the guy, I don't know the guy, and the rooster crows, and he denied him. This same Peter f- was filled with the power of God, and he gets up and testifies and declares, you guys crucified Jesus Christ, and you need to repent for this promise of the gift, and be baptized, and um, you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And when this happened, 3,000 people were added that day. And um, it's quite incredible. And that's the boldness that comes. And that's what God is wanting us to do. And let's not resist the word of God. Let's not resist what God has given us. And, but let's embrace what the Holy Spirit is wanting to do amongst us. And in my life, um, I, I was thinking a bit reluctant to share but because it, it's quite personal. But I will share for the benefit of us. But in my, in my life, I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit at a youth camp many, many years ago. 
But several weeks ago, I had a really, really powerful encounter with the Holy Spirit. And um, i got nothing to prove. I don't want to speak anything greater of what it was or anything less. But I'll try and speak as accurate as I can. But we were in a meeting um, just like this at the conference that the girls shared about before. And it was on the night. And we were meeting and the, the talk just like this about the Holy Spirit and what he does. And at the end, we had an opportunity to wait on him. And so we were there, and we were quiet. We quieted our spirits, and we waited. And um, there was no music. We just waited for him. And uh, a little bit of the backstory: I'd done a bit of plowing of my heart. I'd you know, put things right. I'd um, given away stuff. I've repented, got the rubbish out of my life. And I was humbled. I'd emptied myself out, and I was ready, and I was hungry. But I think more than that, God was hungry, and God was ready to do something in me. And, uh, yeah, as we waited, basically as we're waiting in that meeting, I felt a laughter come over me from my stomach. It was only small at the start, but it wasn't me. But I allowed this thing to come. And I'd seen it before, but never experienced it before. But I knew it was the Holy Spirit operating, um, doing something in me. And I felt the Holy Spirit doing something. And, you know, when I, from a young age, actually, I... There were times in, in my teenage years where I'd really seek after God in my room alone on my knees. And sometimes for a long period, I wasn't feeling anything. But um, I remember sitting in my chair and I felt the Holy Spirit come around my face. And um, ever since then, I've, like, when I want to tap and when I want to focus and when I quiet my spirit, I feel, I don't know, I feel the tangible presence of God on my face when I talk about the Holy Spirit. I, I feel him right now. And so I, I, what was happening is I, f- I could feel the Holy Spirit then, and so I knew this was him, and so I allowed this to happen. Um, the minister, Murray, said, if you're feeling anything, um, something come out the front, and so I did. And this laughter began to grow and grow and grow and grow. By this time, I was on my knees, and I was really full of joy. And um, I, I'm a... I have a melancholy disposition, you could say. People tell me that I need to smile, um, wipe that frown off. But what, what was happening is my face was like, like, and it was something that had come over my mouth. And yeah, um, you know, it's a miracle, eh? And, uh, but I could feel them around... Um, and so it came out the front. By this time, I was on my knees, and I was so full of joy and, and audibly laughing. And the Holy Spirit began to reveal things to me that we, him and I, began to laugh at. And like past sin, past um, contentions, past um, disagreements, past issues, past stresses were all coming up. And we were laughing and laughing at those And you think this is not biblical. In Psalms, it says that the Lord sits in the heavens and he laughs. He laughs at the um, day of destruction of the enemy. And I just felt like, man, we just take things so, so seriously. And um, being, being on my knees at this point, my head was completely downwards as if I was upside down. And then I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, I'm turning your whole life upside down. And I was, my head was down. I was looking around. And he was turning it upside down. I prayed, and I, I heard heard Murray and others pray this over people. Um, 
for the weight of God's glory to come. And I thought, I th- it came to my mind, and I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray this. So I prayed, and I said, Holy Spirit, can you place on me the weight of your glory? And he laughed, and I laughed. <laughs> I understand the total reverence, awe, and honor regarding his glory, but I felt as if the Holy Spirit was just increasing the laughter as I asked for this. I almost felt as he was laughing, laughing at my previous thinking or thoughts that the weight of glory is something serious and intense. But obviously, even right now, my understanding of God's glory is very, very limited and the manifestation of that. But in that time, in the season, all I know is that I asked for the weight of his glory and we laughed and we laughed more and the laughing intensified. Um, I don't know much about his glory, but that's what happened. As I said, on my face was a smile and a grin as if muscles had been moved. Now this, that was not of my own. After this, um, I was down there. A new thing was happening to me. I felt my head move up and down, back and forth like this. Um, I had no idea if this was God or the demonic, but I knew that the Holy Spirit was in control, so I allowed him to work. My head went back and forth a few times slowly and then continued but almost at twice the speed. It was going back and forth really fast. Then all of a sudden, my arm began to hit the ground over and over and over again. And I don't know, but from memory, then this stopped. I was unsure what this was, but then I felt the Holy Spirit ask me, because we were talking and had been laughing. Um, I felt the Holy Spirit ask me, do I want to be delivered? And so I said, yes. Then out of my mouth came a couple yells and then... Not, not of me, and then I just let go, and out of me came a yelling and a screaming, and that, that was at a range that, and a high pitch that I could never, ever hit with my natural voice. This was not from here. This was from here, and um, this was not me, but this was coming out of me. I allowed this to happen, knowing that this was demonic. I did not shut it down, but I resisted the demonic from the inside, and after a bit, this stopped as the demonic, I felt the demonic had left my life and like we talk about um bit of backstory can christians have demons well can christians get sick can christians be involved in sin we have a spirit which the holy spirit comes in but we also have a soul which is our mind our will and our emotions our emotions get hurt our emotions get sore um our, our body gets sick our body gets sore and the demonic can come in in and around our soul and take camp and we're drawn into um Areas of, areas of sin, areas of brokenness. We are drawn into that. Does that mean we're not born again? Of course not. God has set us free. But um, there, there is, like it talks about it a lot in the Bible about casting out of demons. And if there was not the need for that ministry, um, then if, if as soon as we got saved um, and we lost all our demons, why, why is that, that ministry? We just get everyone saved. But there's that ministry that takes place and drives us out. And so I felt the demonic leave me as a sovereign getting um, delivered. After several moments have passed and I settled, settled down, uh, a, a second wave came and another wave had come out within me. I was conscious of all around me, but I really didn't care what anyone thought. I knew God was working on me. As the demonic was manifesting from me, the minister came and he laid his hands on my head and I felt as he prayed, the demonic came out of me and then 
came a time of like healing and weeping. I felt as if hereditary spirits that had come down different lines had left me like a different demon the first time and a different demon the second time. After this, I felt so light, I felt so free, I felt so clean, and I felt like unblocking between my relationship and God as if I um, would love God more. And this is what the Holy Spirit has done in me. And after this, I've been really, really hungry for Him. And we need, we need, the manifestation of the Word of God, of the glory of God. We need the manifestation of Jesus Christ happening. I read that scripture before, but I'll read it again. Acts chapter 8, verse 7 to 8. It says, Many spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there's great joy in that city. That's in Acts when Philip went into Samaria um, and, and preached the gospel. So in terms of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I want to read from Acts chapter 2. Verses 2. Uh, oh, read from here. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looks like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At the time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and the province of Asia, Phygara, Pamphylia, Egyptian, excuse my geography, and areas of Libya and Serene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, and we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there, they were amazed and complex. What can this mean? They asked each other. But the others in, in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk, that is all. Verse 14, then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd. I talked about that before. Listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about it. These people are not drunk as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, what you see is predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will sing visions, and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I'll pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I'll cause wonders in the heavens above, signs on the earth below, blood, fire, and clouds of smoke. Then the sun will become dark, and the moon will be turned to blood red before the great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. Verse 21, but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Um, we'll jump to verse 36. Um, chapter 2, verse 36, it says, Peter says, So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, who you crucified, to be Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Each one of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, 
all whom the Lord our God will call. Um, then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crook generation. Those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. And this is the first time we saw a great outpouring of the Spirit of God, where the believers were baptized in the Spirit of God. And uh, I want to bring out four points about this, um, which I think will be good for our understanding. Um, First one is this, is that the baptism of the Holy Spirit, this is the plan of God. Luke 3.16, it says, I baptize you with water, but someone who's coming soon, who's greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of the sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And as I said before, as much as God's plan to send his son Jesus Christ to this earth, it's his plan for us to be filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit. Um, so, So that's the first thing. Um, The second thing is this, is the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a separate event from salvation. And we see those disciples who had followed God, had surrendered their life to God, um, and they they had surrendered their life, but they received the Holy Spirit at a separate event, 50 days. um, That's what Pentecost means, um, 5 and 10, 50, 50 days after Jesus had ascended. Um, And so example there another dis- example is obviously the disciples and the apostles went out into the uh into the nations and the place they went to samaria and uh uh talk about philip the evangelist um he went out and he preached to people in samaria and they were baptized and filled with him acts chapter 8 verses 12 says this but now the people believes philip's message of the good news they believe the message they had concerning the kingdom of god and the name of jesus christ They'd come to a place of salvation. As a result, many men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself believed and was baptized. He began following Philip wherever he went and was amazed by the amazing signs and great miracles Philip performed. Verse 14, when the apostles in Jerusalem and another location heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, so had come to salvation, they sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. It's very clear that it's a, the baptism and the infilling of the Holy Spirit is a separate event from um, salvation. We know Paul in the New Testament he had a vision from God, had a salvation experience on his donkey, I believe. And then it was three days later when Anais came for him and prayed for him and removed the blindness. And he was, um, and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, yeah, there's other examples of that, but we won't get into that. But point number three is this gift, the Holy Spirit, is a promise to all. And I, as we read before in Acts 38, uh, 2 verse 38 says, Each one of you must repent of your sins and turn to God. And he baptized them in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. Then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and your children and to those far away, all whom the Lord our God will call. And this is a promise from God for us. And uh, as much as we can believe in anything that God says, this is a promise of God that he wants to pour out his spirit upon us and manifest his presence upon us. Uh, Our last point here is, Um, The infilling of the baptism of the Holy Spirit isn't just the once-off event, 
but can occur multiple times. And what had happened is after uh, Peter and John and all the other disciples, the apostles in the upper room were filled with the Holy Spirit. They went out preaching and teaching the Word of God with boldness. And uh, I believe they even healed, oh, the healing's going, and they healed a guy, and uh, he was paralyzed, and he's walking. And the Pharisees and the disciples at, uh, the Pharisees and the, the Sanhedrin, they arrested them. And they says, what are you doing making people better? And so they uh, took took Peter and John before them, and they realized that these guys had been with Jesus, the boldness that was upon them. And they, uh, they basically said to them, look, do not preach the word of God. Do not preach this Jesus anymore. And so uh, they said there was nothing they could really do because the dude that they had healed was just standing there and like doing his thing. And they're like, it's pretty undeniable what God had done through, the, through Peter and John. And so they released them and says, do not preach the name of Jesus Christ. And so Peter and John go back. And they gather together with all the people. Acts chapter 4, verse 23. It says, As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. And so they began to pray to God. Verse 29. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in the preaching of your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After this, the meeting place shook and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they preached the word of God with boldness. This happened a second time to, the, um, to Peter and John. And what, what I've been thinking about this is like, a lot of us have been filled with the Holy Spirit or baptized in Him. But when was the last time that happened? And when was the last time we were smashed around and polluted by this world? We were polluted by Facebook and TV and the, you know, our, our circumstances, our life, all that kind of stuff. When was the last time we actually felt the presence of God? And I, I, I'm believing this is that we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit on a regular, regular basis. Um, what had happened after we came back from conference a couple of weeks ago, I'm sure Hannah won't mind us sharing, but we meet usually weekly for a prayer meeting, and we're here in this room, we're beginning to pray, and the Holy Spirit was there upon us, and we were baptized afresh in the Holy Spirit, and we were speaking new tongues that we'd never spoken before, just when we gathered together in prayer in our own time. Um, 2,000 years ago, in the book of Acts, God poured out His Spirit in 1906 in Azusa Street. Uh, we've been looking at a bit of that, us and the youth, basically what had happened is a Short, in short, there's a man named William Seymour in, uh, in uh, America, and obviously they had a lot of racial segregation back at that time, but he, went, he was invited to come lead a congregation in, um, in Los Angeles from Chicago, so he went along, and he, uh, he did, and he talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and they, um, and they kicked him out of his own church, and he basically had nowhere to go, and so he went to a friend's house, and they would pray every night. Um, he says he was praying five hours a day, and then his prayers, he said he needed to increase it. And so he started praying seven hours a day. Him and his friend, they would pray right through the night. In the morning, um, his friend would get up off the ground, go, go to his job and go to his work. And then uh, William Samuel would there, and he would begin to pray, um, continue to praying right throughout the morning. What, what they began to do is a few of them, began to meet in this little old house on this, I forget the name of the street, and, uh, and they began to 
began to meet together and then the power of God began to, was poured out upon them in that house as they were gathering together. And then others began to see and experience what was happening. And uh, the Spirit of God poured out and it grew and grew and grew. They ended up going a few roads down to this uh, road called Azusa Street. And they rented this old building, very much like this. You see the photos, kind of this kind of shape thing. It had a um, room like this and then an upper room. Um, and what would happen, they'll go up and pray. And this, no advertising, no nothing, but the Spirit of God was moving on them in 1906, and it began to grow and grow and grow and grow. They said the walls of the, the building was lined with crutches and um, stuff from all the people that had been healed. Um, and, and through um, William Seymour and those guys there, there's a great move of God. They reckon 600 million people can trace their, like, from their church today, many different churches around the world, the AOG, the, um, many different things came out of this revival in Azusa Street in 1906. And uh, what had happened, um, a Jewish man came along and he gets up and he, uh, he walks up to the upper room where they're praying and the small little girl spoke to him in a different tongue. He's like, whoa. And so he uh, grabs her by the arm, brings her downstairs before they're about to have the meeting. And he says to everybody, this this girl has spoken to me in my language, telling me to repent and turn towards God. And he was um, pouring out in his, uh, he was, yeah, weeping. And uh, many, many people were saved. Many, many people came and resisted what was happening. And they're saying that this is not biblical. This is not right. But we can see very clear from Scripture, this happened in Acts. And even in Acts, it talks about many people ridiculed, many people mocked what was happening. And, and God is wanting to pour out His Spirit upon us as um, his church and his people when we need him so much we need the Holy Spirit so much if you enjoyed this message feel free to subscribe and leave a review we'd also love to hear from you you can connect with us on Instagram or Facebook at Celebration Raro or visit our website celebration.atonga.com until next time